0: Good morning, First Pineville. Welcome to worship. We're so glad that you're here. Those of you that are watching online, we're delighted you're here. Let's stand and worship and sing together.
1: Yeah. faithfulness today.
2: Amen? Amen. Please be seated.
0: I am so thankful that no matter what is going on in my life, that the Lord is faithful. We serve a mighty and powerful God who is right there with us every step of the way. Well, welcome to First Baptist Pineville this morning where we do life together, and we are grateful that you are here. Whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're watching with us online, we're glad that you're a part of our morning service this morning. If you're a guest, we ask that you take your um, worship guide in this panel, you'll find a connection card, fill that out in the end of the service. You'll have an opportunity to meet our pastor and his wife, Rebecca, Stuart and Rebecca Holloway out in the foyer. And we have a gift for you, um, a book, his book, A Privilege of Worship. If you have any other prayer concerns, add those to that list as well. And we'll take those up during the offertory this, um, this morning. Will you pray with me this morning, please? Oh God, we are thankful that we can come to your house and worship you this morning, God. Lord, I was so thankful to see the boys' and girls' faces this morning in Sunday school, eager to learn more about you, Father. And Lord, I'm thankful to see those around this congregation that are here this morning to learn more about what you would have us to do, Father God. I'm thankful for a church that loves you and serves you here in this community, in our state, and around the world, world, Lord God. And I'm excited to see what you have for us in the months, years ahead of us, Father. Be with us as we worship this morning, and I'm thankful for the one that has come for baptism this morning. Be with us as we meet today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well,
2: church family, we are blessed to continue in worship today with the celebration of the ordinance of baptism. And uh, just before the service, uh, I was talking with our candidate, Melody Morales, and saying, well, Melody, what led you to the church and and the decision that you've made in your life? And she said she just needed something new in her life, hadn't really been in church. uh, But she had a connection to our First at First business leader lunch, has attended that some in the past, and uh, knew something of the church and wanted to come, started attending. And now she's coming uh, to be baptized and showing you of her decision to follow Christ with her life. Melody. This is Melody Morales. Melody, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? All right, then based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Oh, Let's continue to worship today, celebrating all that God is doing in our church.
0: us pray. Glorious God, we know that your capacity of love is infinitely greater than our own ability. Indeed, you call us to love one another in truth and in action. We yearn to be active disciples so that our hearts truly abide with you. Use these gifts to increase our ability to be your followers. In the name of the one who laid down his life for us, Jesus Christ, we pray, amen.
2: As we prepare for the message today, uh, State Representative Mike Johnson, who is a member of our church, has asked that we lift up our state legislature in prayer today. He's asked several uh, churches in our area to do that because the state legislature is going to be selecting a speaker of the house uh, this week. And so that's very important. And he said uh, this is so important because uh, the the, uh, speaker of the house has the power to set the tone and direction of our state For that reason, politics and the desire for personal political gain has created harsh efforts and tactics that are dividing friendships, groups, and weakening our state and threatening the good things that I believe we can do for our state. The speaker should be a person who reflects the values and beliefs that the majority of our people hold so dear. He must represent and lead in a manner and on issues that the voters have decided are most important. We're not praying for a specific person by name, but that God will bring us together, healing any division, and make clear to us the person chosen by God to lead us. Mike continues, please also continue to pray for our governor and for all other state officials and legislators as we are sworn in and inaugurated this Monday morning on the front steps of our Capitol. So we want to heed this request. I I find it um, encouraging when a politician asks for prayer. And so we want to certainly bless that. And of course, since we have a vested interest in that with Mike being a member of our church, we want to... uh, Heed his request and lift him and others up in prayer. So, if you're on the ground level and you would uh, join me in kneeling to pray, and uh, those of you elsewhere in the church, just uh, if you can stay seated or or kneel on the floor there as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we are so grateful for the state that we live in. We're grateful for the beauty of it, we're grateful for the great uh, and varied culture. And we are just privileged to be a part of this part and this spot in the world. But Lord, we know that our state has a, a lot of challenges ahead of it. And there are, are always uh, debates among politicians. And we pray, Lord, that you would bring an incredible sense of unity at the State House in the coming days. Lord, I pray that it would be a unity that exceeds what anyone could ask or imagine. That, Lord, there would be such a, a unity among the legislators and even between the legislators and the governor's office that we would see incredible things taking, taking place for the good of our state and even the betterment of our nation. Lord, we pray that you would abide by your spirit and, and help egos to be placed aside for the issues to take center stage and for uh, our leaders to truly lead with godly wisdom. And so, Lord, we pray for people like Mike and others who we know seek your face. We pray, Lord, that you would give them extra wisdom and extra voice to be able to speak truth into circumstances. And, Lord, we want to see great things done, not for their glory, not for the glory of the state, but, Lord, for your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom. Guide and direct as only you can and according to your will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church family, for that time of prayer. Uh, Each year, I deliver a state of the church during which I share what God has done in the previous year and where we expect the Lord will be taking us in the year to come. Uh, But as we move into 2020 and a new decade, I want to take a decade perspective this morning and look back at the previous decade and look ahead at the decade to come. We often overestimate what can take place in a year, but we underestimate what can happen in a decade. And that is especially true in church work, and that is certainly true of what God has done in our church over the last decade. In fact, as we uh, celebrate this state of the church, I can say that the state of First Baptist Church is very good. I'm seeing Mr. James Addison over there. That's my choir director from high school right there. Y'all, y'all give him a welcome. Hey, Mr. Addison, good to see you, man. <laughs> I love you. And just because you're here, I'm going to say the state of the church is mighty fine. Through the last decade, uh, we overcame numerous challenges. Uh, When I was called as pastor here in 2008, the church was just two years removed from a devastating split that had brought the church to its lowest point in history. By 2010, we were were growing again, but four daunting challenges were still ahead of us as a church. One was membership. Uh, Though we were starting to reach younger people, Uh, We were still mostly an older congregation. Then facilities. If the people were creaking, the buildings were cracking. Uh, A decade of neglected maintenance was killing us. Then there were the finances. Uh, By 2010, we still had just under a million dollars in old debt, uh, weighing us down, and many other needs, and our giving levels were only at about 1980s levels for our church. And then ministries, our core ministries, Sunday school, music, children, youth, had gaping weak spots simply because of where we were as a church. Now, as I made that list of those four uh, dawning challenges, I really started laughing in my office because, because I said, that's pretty much everything a church does. Finances, facilities, ministries, uh, membership. But nevertheless, we strategically started tackling each of those challenges And over time, we saw progress. Many times, the progress was very slow. In fact, there were times I would look at what other churches were achieving, and it seemed to be they were doing a lot more, a lot faster. Uh, But I had to remind myself that their situation was far different from ours. It takes a long time to rebuild a church that's been through through so much and is facing such daunting challenges. But what God has done has been simply amazing. Let's look at these challenges that we've overcome. In the area of membership, since we had a lot of older people, we've buried 150 of our people over the last decade. Many of those were very active in 2010, actively serving here every Sunday. However, God kept bringing new people to join us. In fact, if you have joined or started attending our church since 2010, Would you please stand? We want to see a picture of what that looks like. You've joined or come to our church since 2010. It gives you a good picture of what God's been doing. Thank you. You may be seated. In the last decade, we saw 224 baptisms and 606 other additions. That's 830 people. Now, here's why that's encouraging. That is far more than either of the previous two decades in our church. From 2000 to 2009, we had a total of 485 editions. From 1990 to 1999, there were 680 editions. So we are um, almost double and then a couple hundred more than what's been in the past. Now the question is, so why don't we run seven or 800 people if we've added that many people? Well, unfortunately in church growth, one plus one never equals two. Um, I think it equals 1 plus 1 equals 2 minus 3 plus 1 divided by 6. Sad. It's, it's a crazy thing. Uh, over the years, students go to college. Uh, people die. They move away. A few change churches. Some uh, have to uh, stop attending due to life situations. There's all kind of things that, that cause people to uh, drift a little bit. But there's another thing that's happening in culture that all churches are finding out, and that is that we're seeing a change in frequency of church attendance. Uh, Years back, regular church attendance meant you came to church three or four Sundays a month. Now, it's more like once or twice a month. And so we're having to deal with that kind of thing, but we can still see where we've seen growth, especially when we look at our Sunday school numbers. Our average Sunday school attendance was 272 in 2010. It was 357 for 2019. That's a 31% growth in a decade. Now, what we did also is a few years ago, we started tracking our total reach in Sunday school. Knowing that regular church attendance was changing, we were wanting to know how many people we were reaching every month in Sunday school. And so we started tracking those. Some people attend one Sunday, some two, some three, some four. What was the total reach? Well, we started that back in 2014. August is usually our highest attendance, so that's a good time to kind of see who all are we reaching. We all show up. In August, because it's the school getting back and sports stuff hadn't happened and hunting season hasn't started, and so if you compare August of 2014 to August 2019, just that five-year span, our Sunday school attendance average for 2014 was 379, but our total reach was 516 by that time. This past August, our average attendance was 403, but our total reach was 688 people. So 688 individuals came to First Baptist Church Pineville in the month of August. So while we've only seen a 6% increase in average attendance in the last five years, we've seen a 33% increase in total reach. And so the increase, obviously, in total reach from the beginning of the decade to 2019 would far exceed that. You can reach a lot of people in a decade. Now, that's membership. What about facilities? Well, I was shocked to realize that every update and renovation that we've done since I've been here as pastor has happened since 2010. Even some of the more minor things. Starting then, we saw started seeing some major change as we updated the Cali Building, we renovated the youth room. In 2012, then we started our long-range planning committee that worked for two years to put together a master plan and envision the ch- future of our church in 2014. The church approved that plan and construction began on phase one in 2015. And, of course, we completed everything two years ago this month in 2018. Just some rough estimates in total in the last decade, we've invested around $6.5 million in renovations and repairs. You don't realize that when it's happening. But when you take the building program and all the other stuff we've done, it may actually be more than that. You can do a lot in a decade. Now, what about finances, since we just mentioned some finances? Well, that blew me away. What God has done in our finances has been nothing short of astounding. In 2010, budget receipts were $860,000. 2019, $1.4 million is where we ended up the year. Now, we would expect growth in a decade. And when you just see those numbers, you think, yeah, okay, that's, that's good. But that is a 69% increase in undesignated budget giving. Now, here's how that compares to the previous three decades of our church. In the 1980s, the budget remained basically flat. Budget gifts were basically flat for our church in the $840,000 range. In the 1990s, our church saw a 12% increase. In the 2000s, due to the split primarily, the church saw a 26% decrease. But we have seen a 69% increase that is only the work and provision of god even more astounding is that that increase was in budget giving so it doesn't count What was going on outside of the budget and missions offerings and debt retirement and and capital campaigns and other gifts for all the other stuff that happens. And so that the growth of the budget receipts increased that much, 69%, in the midst of all those other things that are going on is staggering. Now, more good news. 2019 was our largest year of undesignated giving since 2002. And if you pull out 2002, which was freakishly high, it's the highest undesignated giving year ever in the history of our church. We also had our largest December of giving in at least the last decade. Some other good news concerning our finances that should help us as we move forward. In the last decade, those of you who've been here know that we've had to fund a lot of maintenance through special offerings and our capital campaign. I mean, a whole lot of our capital campaign was just getting stuff where it needed to be because we were dealing with neglected maintenance that uh, was long before most of us got here. But this year, we've implemented a plan that will help us on both paying down our debt as well as taking care of long-term maintenance. In this year's budget, we have um, adjusted our debt payments. We've increased our debt payment a little bit. At the same time, we've greatly increased our maintenance contingency gifts so that every month we are putting money aside for maintenance. So here's the plan. Instead of having to play catch-up, we're planning ahead, and we'll be ready. So when an air conditioner goes down, that $8,000 or so doesn't have to hit the budget. It comes out of these maintenance contingency funds over here. When we need to repaint or recarpet a Sunday school room or a department even, we don't have to go to that department and say, hey, can y'all give some money or go to the church or throw it in a capital campaign. We just take it out of these monies we've saved over here. And so that in the future, the budget is preserved more for ministry instead of maintenance, as well as, as we move forward, our capital campaigns can be for significant progress instead of cosmetics and repairs. That's going to make a big difference as we move forward. And it took a lot of work through the last 12 years to get to the point where we can do that today. But you can invest a lot of money in ministry in a decade. Now, about our ministries. In 2010, I said our ministries had gaping, weak spots. And when someone would ask, Pastor, why should our family join First Baptist Church Pineville? I just would kind of say, "Um, you love Jesus? There, there wasn't anything. I couldn't do a, a. There wasn't a sales pitch. There wasn't anything. We, we really had nothing. I'm like, if you want to be a part of rebuilding a church, come on. But I can tell you it's really refreshing now to be able to say, you should join our church because you love Jesus. And the ministries that we have now will help you grow in your relationship with him and help you and your family serve him effectively. That's where we want to be as a church. Walk around the church and you're going to see Growing ministry. Now, instead of having gaping weak spots, we have minor tweak spots. And we were always tweaking those things to bring about growth and more effective ministry. Show up on a Saturday now that Upward's going on. We have our largest participation ever. Over a 1,000 people come through our gym on a Saturday. It is unreal to watch the transition happen all day long. Walk through the children and youth areas on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Serve an extended session on Sunday morning and see the babies and the preschoolers. And we need you to help serve back there because we are having more babies and preschoolers. Go to the choir room on Wednesday night We're going to have to have a capital campaign to add on to the choir suite, the way the choir's growing. Isn't that wonderful? It's a blessing. Uh, These ministries are growing, I believe, because they are intentional and transformational. That's evident in increasing baptisms. I'm excited that, that we're not just seeing children and youth being transformed by Christ, but adults as well. Just as we saw Melody baptized this morning, we're also seeing people surrender to Christ's call on their life. Stephen James, right back there under the balcony, wave your hand, Stephen, raise, loud, we call. Stephen's going to be preaching his first sermon tonight. Uh, you need to come here, because here's the brief story. He'll tell you more tonight. At 40 years old, he's accepted a call to ministry that God gave him when he was a boy. He ran from the Lord, ran hard from the Lord. Now he's come back and is being faithful to the Lord. You need to be here tonight to support Stephen. I'm looking at you. You need to be here tonight to support Stephen. The first message for a minister is an important thing. And besides, there are no excuses. The Saints lost out, and LSU plays tomorrow night. So tonight, there's nothing to keep you away from this, all right? No excuses. Now, behind these growing ministries, we have an excellent staff. I connect with a lot of different churches, and as I look around at the staff of other churches, we have the best. We have the best. And behind that staff are incredible volunteers. When I ran through these things with some of our staff members the other day, I said, guys, what what am I missing? And they said, you know what? We've got all these volunteers. We are seeing now more people excited and coming to us and saying, how can we plug into ministry? That is really encouraging. So staff, let's give the church a hand. Let's thank the Lord for what they're doing. This last decade has been about overcoming obstacles in all of these different areas. So, so what's ahead now? What challenges lay before us in the next decade? Well, I think there are three. First, we're going to have to adjust for a new age of ministry. Our world is changing fast. Uh, how, how we do ministry has changed a lot in the last decade. I think it's going to just go even faster in this coming decade Uh, we're going to need to keep pace with the change if we want to be effective and continue to communicate in effective manners From expanding our ministry in greater ways through the internet and social media uh, to developing our facilities for a new age, we're going to have to adjust and advance. In the next decade, I think we'll eliminate the debt from our phase one of our building campaign. We'll also need to complete one, if not two, additional phases of our master plan. Those phases bring much needed parking as well as provide purposeful and safer ministry space for our children and youth. We also need to reach more of the younger generations. I don't know if some of you who are in the older generations have driven by some of our elementary schools or gone to our high schools, but the potential for reaching young families in central Louisiana is staggering. And just go by, try to drive by just J.I. Barron at drop off time, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Over a thousand kids at that school, and that's just one elementary, and we're reaching way beyond just Pineville. As we reach these younger generations and young families, we may have to do some things differently. We may have to add some things, but whatever that looks like, we need to do it because we need to reach them. We also need to be on mission in our region and beyond. We may be called First Baptist Church Pineville, but we are becoming First Baptist Church Synlog. We reach people all over this region. We have members not just from Pineville, Alexandria, but also from LeCount, Woodworth, and Forest Hill to the south, DeVille, Colleen, Effie, and Marksville to the east, Boyce and Colfax to the west, Dry Prong, Ball, and even Natchitoches to the north, and numerous other points in between. In fact... Here's an interesting thing that we just realized this week. None of our host homes for Disciple Now for our youth next weekend have a Pineville address. And that's something. That shows that we're reaching farther and going beyond. As we reach right wider, what will our ministry look like? How can we be more effective beyond 901 Main Street? First Baptist churches in general reach a broader demographic than um, other Baptist churches even, and especially uh, non-denominational churches. So we need to use that for our advantage. We, we need to cast that wide net and position ourselves for ministry effectiveness. We need to get on people's radar. A lot of times we're not there. Uh, too often when people hear First Baptist Church Pineville, they ask, where is that? Because they never pass by. And if they do pass by, it's right there by the car because we're right on Main Street. Other times when people hear First Baptist, they think, oh, that's just Grandma's church. It's old and boring. Now, we know that's not true, but they don't know that it's not true. And so we've got to get the good word out of what God's doing here. And thankfully, more and more people are taking notice of of that kind of thing. Just as Melody's testimony was about that this morning. But we're starting to see a, a movement of people from saying, what's going on over there?" to I want to be a part of what God's doing here. And we want to help that to happen more and more. Reaching our region also means tapping the potential ministry uh, at LC and LSUA, not just the students, but the faculty and staff as well. Uh, We also need to reach the untapped potential for ministry uh, among the military in our region. We also must continue transitioning from a mission-supporting church to a mission-supporting and sending church. We have a tremendous legacy of mission support here at First Baptist, from education to giving to prayer. We, I wouldn't put anybody uh, against us. But we need to be sending as well, and we're working on plans right now, several opportunities for going on mission that you'll hear about in the coming days. That's two challenges. The most important challenge in the next decade, though, is this one. And that is transition to a new generation of leadership. Currently, most of our church leadership is above 60 years old. Many, perhaps most, are over 70. Now, that's not bad because wisdom comes with those years. But we've got to raise up a new generation of leaders. And so those of you in my generation and under, we've got to step up in the next decade. And those of you in the generations above us need to call us up in the coming decade we need men in the younger generations to commit to be trained and serve as deacons you know only a handful of our 30 deacons who are currently active are not retired now that's good because that means they've got flexibility and they can go visit hospitals and they can do all kind of acts of service but we we need more of you who are still in the workforce who are currently raising your family who can help Meet the challenges of a new day by bringing in new ideas and new connections. We need younger members to start serving on our key uh, committees and and speak into the direction of our church that's going to be your church in 20 years from now. We did that intentionally with our long-range planning committee. We need to do that more intentionally now as we move into a new decade. Also, younger generations, we have a big challenge ahead of us. As leadership transitions to us and we start reaching more of our peers, we also must replace the giving of the elder generations. And I want you to see something because this shows it in graphic form. This is the budget giving stats for 2019. The red is the percentage of givers in each particular age group. The blue is how much of how much money was given by that particular age group. Um, you can see that our 60 to 99-year-olds gave 76% of our budget gifts. Um, Those under 59 gave 24% of our budget gifts. Now, today, that difference in giving is not so much because there are more people in those age groups but because there, isn't as, because there isn't as large a difference in attendance really or membership even between older and the younger generations. But it, the difference comes because more people in the upper ages actually give and when they do give they typically give more. So that's, that's the difference that, that we start to see there. Those of us in the younger generations need to be faithful to tithe if, if we want to see effective ministry continue in the years to come. Each year we see more younger generations coming on and the good news is we see more of those younger generations realizing, you know what? We need to be faithful to support the work of the church through our tithes and offerings. And each year more people make that commitment to the Lord and that is very encouraging and I think it's just going to continue as we move forward. Now as we face these challenges, what are our greatest strengths going forward? Well, first... I think our, one of our greatest strengths is we have relevant biblical preaching. You can be relevant and not biblical, and you can be biblical and not relevant. But we have both, and that's been a commitment for 12 years now. And if that ever stops, it's time for me to stop. Second, we have worship for the ages. We focus on worship as communication with God, as account, encounter with God, not as a particular style of music. If you don't understand that, Uh, kind of our philosophy on that, get a copy of my book, The Privilege of Worship, because that's really what that is about. Certainly, uh, our focus on worship instead of style of worship means that a lot of the time, we're not contemporary enough for the contemporary people, and we're not traditional enough for the traditional people. (laughs) So somebody's always mad, I guess you would say. But here's what we also hear. Almost every week, people from... All different generations of all different musicals taste tell us, I met God in worship. That's the goal for all of the ages to meet God in worship. Third, we have intentional transformational ministries. For years now, we've been trying to lead people to be first, being focused on God, involved in ministry, respected by peers, strengthened in faith, and transformed by Christ. And now that we've been doing that for seven or eight, nine years, we are seeing the fruit of our labor, and that's going to continue, I think, only growing stronger in the future. Fourth, we do life together. Hardly a week goes by that we do not hear of some ministry need as a staff that we didn't know about, but that has already been met or is being met by one of you or many of you. And that is a very good thing because that's what being a church family is all about. If the staff are the only people doing the ministry, then that's a sorry church. But when the people do the ministry, equipped and encouraged by the staff, then that is a great church. And that's where we are. Fifth, people sense the Spirit of God here. Just this week, I met with someone who told me that, and it reminded me that I've heard that for 12 years. In fact, that was one of the only things we had going for us 12 years ago. And you know what? That's the most important thing going for us in the years to come. If we ever lose the presence of God in worship among us, then we need to shut the doors. Many daunting challenges overcome, important challenges ahead, some great strengths as we move forward, but how do we do it? Well, that's where we come to our text. And you know, if you've been here any amount of time, you know we normally spend way more time on the text, but this is the nature of the message today. And this is a short and simple text, so it doesn't require a whole lot of exegetical work or explanation, but more some reminders and application. The text is Proverbs 4, 25 through 27, which says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Let your f- keep your foot from evil. The first part of Proverbs reads a lot like a father's instruction to his sons. And, and that may very well be what it was. We think that Solomon at least had a part in writing three books of the Old Testament. He wrote the Song of Solomon when he was a young man in love. He wrote Ecclesiastes when he was an old man who'd been there and done that and realized the true meaning of life. And he wrote the book of Proverbs when he was in middle age preparing his sons for life to come. And here in this particular passage, Solomon encourages his son or his mentee or any of us who would read this particular passage that we need to stay focused on the right path as we go through life. As we look at the next decade as a church, that is the main word for us. Stay focused on the right path. As churches experience success and things stop being quite as hard as they used to be, it's easy to lose focus. Uh, they can start to depend less on God and more on themselves. They can start to turn inward instead of keeping their, to their purpose. They can wander off the right path on any number of paths that the enemy lays out before them. We need to listen to this direction from Solomon. It is good counsel for us. We, and, and in this counsel, I think we find three steps for walking this future path. The first is fix our gaze Fix our gaze. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Solomon encourages his son to look straight ahead. And that reminds us of Matthew six twenty-two, where Jesus said, If your eyes are good, then your whole body will be full of light. Because the eyes, more than any part of the body, can direct our thoughts and betray our thoughts. Where the eyes show, we go. And so therefore, We must fix our gaze on the right things. And what is that? Well, it's Christ, but in particular, it's our calling by Almighty God. The purpose of the church is very clear because it's the same purpose that God gave His people found in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you and I'm going to be with you as you do that. That is our commission. If we're doing that, our gaze is fixed. If we're not doing that, we need to get our eyes checked. We have a focus that we need to pursue. As long as there is one more person to be one for Jesus Christ in central Louisiana or even the world, we must keep our gaze fixed on Christ. We must keep working hard for the sake of Christ. We must be pursuing his call for us. That requires vigilance. That requires discipline. That requires singleness of mind and purpose. But we must fix our gaze. The second step for walking this path into the future is that we must ponder our path. Solomon says, Make level paths for your feet and take only the ways that are firm. People get lost by not pondering their path. As we move forward... We must continue doing what we've done for the last decade, even some of what we've done today, mapping out our journey, uh, noticing challenges that are going to come, intersections that might cause some frustration or some challenges, uh, noting the dangers to be avoided along the way. Pondering our path means being strategic and thoughtful about where we're going forward in ministry so that we can have the greatest impact for Jesus Christ. It means we ask the hard questions of ourselves. It means we study our community. We study ourselves, and we try to do the very best we can to impact all of those people out there with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to lead them to salvation, to then help them to be discipled in the faith. Every plan we make for every ministry we have is all about pondering our path and helping us Keep our gaze fixed. We prepare thoroughly. We weigh wisely. We ponder deeply that path that we're taking. And in this way, we make a good path for ourselves. If the way is not firm, we don't take it, at least not yet. We take only the ones God shows us are firm. The st- third step for walking the future path is keep moving forward. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. One of the greatest challenges going down any path is just to keep on going. Too often we want to give up. We want to sit down. We want to do something else. But that is especially true of churches. In fact, too often we see churches that have this great trajectory of growth, and then they plateau out and start to decline. And essentially, that's what happened here at First Baptist Pineville. The first 50 or 60 years were a great trajectory of growth. I mean, amazing. And then it just plateaued out and declined for 40 years until in 2006. And we reached the lowest point ever. As we've now rebuilt from that point and as we're going forward, we've got to make sure that that never happens again at least in our lifetime, at least in this generation's work in the church, that we keep moving forward, that we don't grow content, uh, we don't give up, we, we don't let up, we take adequate time, yeah, to, to survey and rest up after some great victories are achieved, but then we go on to the, to the next thing. Too much is at stake. The potential for reaching central Louisiana is, is too great, and God has too much left for us to do. So let's keep moving forward. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only the ways that are firm. Don't swerve to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. That's the charge for the next decade of First Baptist Church Pineville. May we pray together. Lord, you have done so much. As we've already sung today, you are faithful. Never once have you left us on our own. Been plenty of scars and struggles on the way. But you've done amazing work. We give you all the credit and all the glory. Lord, as we stand at the beginning of a new decade and we look forward to what you're going to do in the days to come, we ask, Lord, that you would guide us, keep us firmly focused on you, and help us to see you do amazing work in the days to come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the message. and The message or the the response today is threefold as I thought about this and prayed for it. One is to pray for our church. Uh, We just finished this last decade of laying foundations. I mean, that's really what I feel like. When I look back at the first 12 years, especially the last 10 years of my pastorate, I feel like we were laying foundation for future growth. We've only just kind of now gotten to where we should be. And so this next decade is going to be a real time of incredible growth. And so I want you to pray for our church. The second part is that you would unite with our church. Maybe you've been attending here for a while and and you've been seeing what God's doing. Today you've heard what he's done, kind of where we're thinking about going in the future, and then you say, you know what? I'm going to be like those people that they're hearing about. Instead of just saying, what's going on over there, I want to be a part of what's going on here, and I want to unite with this church family. So we invite you to do that in just a moment. Or it may be that you've been a member here for a few years, a decade, a decade, three, four, five decades, use this as an opportunity to recommit to the church and asking the Lord to continue to do amazing things through you that the future of your membership at First Baptist Pineville will be greater than anything you've seen in the days past. Could you make that commitment today, one of those commitments? As we stand and sing this song of invitation, seeking the Lord's direction, make this a time of worship, but also... Be obedient to the response that he's called upon you.